Welcome to the Nine Brawl Podcast, where we tackle daily life challenges and apply God's word to illuminate and preserve his truth while leading others to salvation through Christ Jesus. Let's join your hosts. Hey everybody, it's uh, Jeff Anthony and Sean Campbell. And welcome to the Nabra Podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's Q&A. All right. Quality assurance. We can't <laughs> assure any quality. No, but the feedback from y'all said God is assuring the quality. So we thank y'all for listening and just thank you for the encouragement. And if there's anything we can do to make it better, pray about it. <laughs> and hopefully we'll hear the message. Yeah, absolutely. And um it was it was a great class uh it's obviously our questions and answer session uh just giving everyone an opportunity to uh, ask any questions that they may have had starting from uh week one talking about god's love story and his uh, our identity in him from shame and forgiveness to the harder subjects of sex before marriage mm. singleness um <clears throat> porn masturbation um, LGBTQ and transgender. So, um, it was, it's, it's been a tough few months going through this stuff, but man, what a blessing to be able to go through this because it's, it's stuff that we face every single day and what an encouragement it is to have our group speak up and, uh, shed light to us, uh, on how they view the world and how they use God's word to, to be in it right and yeah. not to be of it so um let's go ahead and let's get into it all right man well um i think there's a really good question that i think you might be able to shed some light on because of your personal interactions so um how do you start a conversation with somebody who is trapped in the lies of this gender identity mess uh, first i i start with i got tacos right um no man that's a it's not a tough question um but sometimes it it's hard because you're trying to navigate like oh am i being affirming um to their situation or am i being condemning so uh i recently you know i was traveling uh for work and uh i was talking to a friend of mine and uh, he's in a relationship where he's married to another male. <clears throat> and uh, they're both believers in, in Christ. So, sincerely, I'm kind of like, man, my heart hurts. Yeah. My hurts because I'm like, they're, they're actually living now this sin that God's not okay with. I know God loves them. Yeah. And I think that helps. That, that is the help first, is recognizing God loves them. He hates their sin. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> and uh, so I had a conversation um, and I asked them, how, how is it that you're going to church and still living in, in, in you know, in your uh, homosexual relationship? You asked that question? I did. Okay. I was like, I, I, like, I don't comprehend that. And, uh, you know, I was able to ask it because I have a relationship with them yep. and they know that what I'm asking is not out of condemnation. It's really because I'm trying to understand their story and I, and, and I'm generally trying to understand their story. <clears throat> so 
I think it all starts there is that you have to be genuine in, in what you're doing. If you're going to go to go Bible thump, like, please don't don't do that because we're we're I think Heather made a great statement in her video last week. Right. Yeah. When she was talking about the <clears throat> that church that was like, come come as Jamie. We're going to meet you where you're at. Right. They didn't they weren't going to Bible thumper. They told her, like, come as Jamie, because we're not going to stand in the way of what God is doing. Because God is already stirring something in their heart. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's where my question came from that th- this week when I met with them was from J- he- uh, Heather's story. Like, right on. wow, like, hey, walk me through that, right? Because I can watch a video and be like, oh, cool, I understand. And I'm not sure if I should. I, of course, sometimes I think I have conversations with people when I don't. I may be, <laughs> right? And it's like, but I know I did talk to somebody. No, it was Wednesday's class. I think I brought it up. I was like, what kind of friend am I? Yeah, you did. Right, that I have people that are living in sin and I'm not comfortable enough to talk to them about it because I'm scared. Right. Right, it's like, what am I more scared of? Am I more scared of them being offended or am I more scared about them not having an opportunity to live with our Lord for eternity? Yeah. I'm more scared of that, that I love my God enough to talk to a friend about this. And, uh, so what he mentioned, he's like, yes, we go to church and our church does accept us as a gay couple into their church. Yeah. That was like, okay, what does that mean? Right. And that's something that you have shown me in our friendship is like, what does that mean? Right. (laughs) So, and I went with her, not with the thought of like, I'm going to think about what I'm going to respond with. Yeah. I was listening to what they were saying. So he's like, he's like, they're accepting us that we're a gay couple seeking God. Okay. They know that God controls everything. So they're like, you're welcome to come here, but we have a couple of questions for you. He's saying this about what His, he the changed. church he's going to. Okay. Um, and I was, and I was like, Oh, well, what were those questions? He's like, the first question they asked, they're like, if you come here and God, comes to change you are you ready to leave each other to honor god all right that's a good question right i don't i was like wow like there's no condemnation in that yeah. but that's that's the goal yeah and wow. they're bringing up front about the goal <clears throat> you know they're like we're gonna show you love we're gonna walk with you we're gonna go here but are you ready to do that and if you're not why are you here they asked that question? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was two questions in that okay. one whole question just to stir. What? What's the reason you're here? Wow. Right? And that's a really good question. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing. Right? That one that's bold, but they're being loving about it. They're letting them know like, hey, <clears throat> God's plan is this for marriage. This is what it is. What you guys have is not in God's plan. Huh. But you're welcome in the door. Yeah. And uh, they both answered, if that's where God leads us, yes. Huh. You know what I mean? So I'm like, wow, that's that's phenomenal. I'm pleasantly surprised, I guess, is the way to say that. I did not expect you to yeah. say that. Yeah. I expect you to say it was like, church, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, just come in and you be you. That's a really, I think that's a really godly question. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned Joel's. Because as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, my bro goes, 
Because that's in Houston, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, man, praise God. That's. But I think the conversation has to start there. Is we know we're all sinners, and their sin is no different than our own. Yep. Okay. They're bold enough to go. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what was going through their mind as they were stepping into that church. Yeah. The fear. The right. Oh man! Like I'm like this is literally just coming to my head and praise the lord <clears throat> the if we were to put ourselves in their shoes to be able to walk into a church knowing that this is a big deal but to them god is a bigger deal than their sin that they want to show up like i, I don't that they took great courage because i can only imagine the the fear that they had going to that church you know and uh it makes me think about the gentleman that you um, you don't use his name, but that came and stays at the parking lot and doesn't come into the church. Yeah. You know, like he has nothing to fear or he has a lot to fear. Right. right? But he I'm like, they could have stayed in that parking lot. And like now, like I want to go and I'll be like, Sean, what car is he in? Exactly. I will go and knock on that door and be like, come on, bro. This is a yeah, bro. And not a nah, bro. <laughs> Come on. <clears throat> well, I told his friend, like, you call me the second he gets here. I will walk out there and I'll sit in the bed of that truck and have a conversation with him. Because that's that's what Jesus did. He he went to the people. He preached the truth, but he got in the middle of it. And I don't want to derail it, but that's I think that's what Jesus is calling us to. And I think you did that and asking really good questions. Jesus asked some good questions. He made the perfect sermon. He said a whole lot, but he also asked really good questions. And that's one way that we can follow him by asking really good questions. And that's, and I'm, I'm proud of you and praise God for that church. Um, they had the same courage that Heather had when she called that women's ministry when she identified as Jamie. And it, it's like this man who drives to this big church building, <laughs> walked in the door. He had to turn He felt like he had to turn around and go back in, but that's huge. <laughs> like by himself, he drove to this big church building by himself. He got out, walked to the door. Once he got in the door, he couldn't do anymore. But I mean, praise God that he was willing to go that far. And I think that's that's what you did with them, seeing where they were, asking really good questions. Like I I keep bringing it up because they're really good four questions that I need to remember. Is you know what do they believe? Why do they believe it? Where do we agree? And that's that's the hard yeah. part. A lot of times is I I categorically disagree with what they're doing. Where can I find some common ground? meet them where they are. And then the last question is, what is the one thing that they need to hear? And I think that question at the church they're attending is, is the one thing that they need to hear is, we know you're sinful. We know we're sinful. Are we going to allow God to work in our life? Um, Frank Turk loves to ask the question, you know, in, in conversation with atheists is if Christianity were true, if it was absolutely true, if I could prove it, would you become a Christian? 
and the reasonable people who say they don't have faith in anything, some of them say no. And he asks, well, you say you are willing to follow the evidence. You say that you don't have faith in something you can't see and you don't believe you know that these things are true. If Christianity is true, wouldn't that be denying your whole worldview? And of course, to plug his book, right? <clears throat> I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. That that really is a lot of faith to be like, I I have enough faith that this isn't real, knowing that if it is real, I know what's coming. And I've shared that, right? Like, yeah. <clears throat> so. So this isn't quite, this is a little bit different question, but I want to follow up on that answer is that's how we talk to someone who's struggling, caught in this identity. How do we talk to people who aren't there? This would go back to our first question about identity is how do we, how do we talk to people who don't have their identity in Jesus who aren't completely trapped in gender identity, but trying to restore them back to God's identity. Um, so people who are sick, they don't know how to get better without knowing what their sickness is, right? <clears throat> so there's people who are like, well, for right now, right? I know I have a sinus infection. Well, why do you know that? Well, because I, I, I Googled it. <laughs> WebMD. Right? WebMD, right? Versus going to to the doctor and be like, well, no, it's not a sinus infection. Actually, you have an equilibrium problem. So now you have drainage because you have something going on with your ear. I'm not a doctor, you know, but <clears throat> WebMD is. Yeah. So whatever the case is, right? We we can always be like, well, my my issue, the reason I don't need God is because I can fix myself. The The best books that sell are self-help books. Yeah. And the one thing that I've come to realize, the Bible is not a self-help book. <laughs> Why not? Because God does all the work. Okay. You come to realize when you try to self-help, you only cause more problems, right? Because the works that the the works that we do isn't ours. It's God's grace to be like I think about it like my addiction to uh, pornography, right? Is uh my my sickness is pornography and the medication that i have to take is uh just not going to those websites that's not the medication right right because guess what all those images where are they trapped in your head that's right in the mind so i see you have romans opened up right now and you know how much i oh man i love romans so much and today Peter was just like looking at me because i had the biggest smile on my face i was like this is my chapter. This is it. <laughs> what do we have to transform? Our minds. And we only can transform our minds by who? Power of God working by in us. His grace. It's his grace that allows us to be transformed. And without that, there's nothing. And we have these people who say, I'm a good person. Are you? By what standard? Yeah. Right? And it goes back to week one. By what standard? Who wrote the social contract to be like, you're a good person? Right. That was a good question. You know, if not God, where do we get? Because, right, we brought up Mother Teresa. Good person? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitler? No, no, no. <laughs> well, 
if you were to surround yourself with his society, what would they say? Well, he's he's an excellent man. Yeah, he's he, he saved Germany. Exactly. Right? So at that point, if we're just taking the human social contract of being good, man, just like God said, there ain't no one that's good. Yeah. Right? Except him. So how do we lead people to do that? It's really the same way. It's like, if you come, like, come out to find facts, if we can prove the whole evidence that is real, do you want the medication to get better? And you leave it there. And then it's, it, we need to understand we're not God. It's a hard lesson for some of us to learn. Yeah. And we should feel heartbroken when someone goes, I really don't care. Yeah. I really don't care. One, it breaks my heart because it makes me think like as a, a human being <clears throat> and reading God's word is like, I want to be like, abraham and be like what what if this will you save them what if this will you save them right when he's going to sodom and gomorrah right and they're like oh what if there's 20 what if there's 40 right and god's like yeah 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 but what's the one thing god knows you're not gonna find them yep because their hearts are hardened like it just breaks my heart that to be like i've turned them over to you to their sin right and I've shared with you with the young the young gentleman that came into class when we were doing uh, evidence of Genesis, and they're like, "Oh, we should pray for the devil, you know, right? Because if God loves everybody, and and the devil is a creation of, 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 of God, shouldn't we pray for his salvation, right? But God knows, like, you can do all the prayer; he's not changing, right? He's the only one that we can probably look in the Bible and be like, that's that's the one being that's never going to change." Right. I mean, right. He, he made his choice in some time in the past. Yeah. So uh, nothing's ever a short answer with us. <laughs> right. Um, but without, without them really wanting to know Christ, there's nothing we can do. But we shouldn't stop praying and we shouldn't stop loving on them. We shouldn't stop doing those things. And all we can do is what we know that by God's grace is living God's truth that eventually God will be like, Oh, that seed finally fell on solid ground. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. Did, so, I, did I answer or not answer yeah, your question? You did. <laughs> but, um, I was listening, but you know, trying not to just wait until I get a chance to, to speak again. But towards the end, something came to mind. You know, I like to read a lot and um, just finished uh, reading the abolition of man and the great divorce by C.S. Lewis. And he said something to that, you know, about devil and about, um, that's what made me think of it is, you know, a lot of people think God is this hateful person that he'd send anybody to hell. But C.S. Lewis couched it really well. He said, in the end, people that God welcomes into his presence will have lived a life saying, thy will be done. And when it comes to that final judgment, the people who God does not welcome into his presence, he said, God will say, thy will be done. He is just giving them what they've asked for their entire life. And that's, that's something hard for me to think, but that's a good question. I think we all need to ask is how could a loving God send people to hell? And that is that response from C.S. Lewis is the clearest most succinct answer is you said hardening their heart romans 1 god 
gave them over to their sinful desire. He didn't force them to do that. He just said, all right, your will be done. <clears throat> and uh, that's great. Thank you. I, I think he put it perfectly because typically we give the Christian answer, right, of the <clears throat> God doesn't throw people into hell. People throw themselves into hell. And I've heard that a lot before I came to Christ, right? And I was like, okay, so what does that mean? Right. What does that mean, right? <laughs> yeah. So if, my, if your God is so loving, why would he do that? But I think that part where he ended at was like, our will be done, right? Yeah. If he you, is if, that loving. Yeah. He's willing to let you do yeah. what you want to do. So the Lord's Prayer, right? All right. Forgive me the way I forgive people. That's scary. That's hard. <laughs> right? So, but that just shows like God's forgiven me for so much. I need to forgive people the same way he forgives me. Our heart changes to what's that oh what would jesus do yeah yeah really it's that part that's our mindset it's like oh what would, what would god do what would god do in this situation when we start living for him and, and and not for ourselves that's where everything changes and we're able to be like man that really sucks that you hurt me man yeah that really sucks but i love you i love you and i, I hope you can change right in today's sermon well that's i mean that's exactly what H was was preaching at the end, you know, 12, chapter 12, verse 19, friends, do not avenge yourself. Instead, leave room for God's wrath, because it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Then, if your enemy's hungry, if your enemy's tired, feed them, give them rest. And I, my mom used to talk about this all the time. She called it the charcoal verse, um, because in doing that, you'll heat burning coals on their head that it will Paul is saying it will literally drive them insane that you're not treating them the way they treat you that you're being loving to them and loving doesn't mean affirming their sin loving means like that church like Heather's church we see you where you are I mean the communion meditation is you know they're not getting awards, but God is, Christ recognized you in his death. Christ recognized you in his resurrection. Christ recognizes you as a person made in the image of God. Somebody who can be redeemed by his death and resurrection. But as he told the rich young ruler, as he told the woman at the well, as he told everybody, you've got to make the choice. I want you to choose me but even the most empowered, the most powerful man in all creation, he didn't force anybody's hand. Yeah. And I, I think Amen. that's the best way to bring this back around is we can't change anybody. Even God didn't change everybody. That's hard, right? It's hard to, <clears throat> to imagine that. But it also... It, it just shows more his authority and what he say is truthful because it's hard to imagine when he told the disciples, you will do greater things than me. I was like, Hang but on. you're God. Like, yeah. Um, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and how lame are we that we're not walking that out? Or do we completely misrepresent that? What he actually meant? I don't know, but it's something I think we need to keep in mind is 
really what does that mean and why should I feel timid about speaking the truth to my homosexual friend? Why should I feel ashamed when going to a man who's trapped in addiction of porn? Why should I feel ashamed? And this is the next question. How do I speak to my friends who are not married, who are in a sexual relationship? One, how do we speak to them? And two, how can they walk that back? How can they go from that life of sin to a healthy relationship? First is we need to recognize there's a stirring, that they're coming to realization that them having sex outside of marriage that it's finally hitting their head that it's not a good thing. And so I think it's the part of like, okay, well, what's what's the driving force behind your question? Because we have to identify, I think everything, we have to identify what, what the reason is because if we don't, then we could literally, they could, we can literally steer them the wrong way uh, on, the, on this specific subject where we can get so high on ourselves and that they'll be like, yeah, that's why I don't attend church, <laughs> right? So it's kind of really asking, like, well, you know, you, you do a really great job, you know, like, of asking those questions. So, you know, if you were to pose the question to me, like, what, what, what was the driving force for you having to wait for Edith when you weren't waiting for anybody else? Yeah. Right? So we'll pose that question. Uh, and so at, at that time, right, I had people talking to me, uh, you know, like my my Mormon my Mormon friends or LDS friends, right? They were like always ragging on me, dude. Like it's like, dude, like how can you live that life? Like, aren't you like they're just asking me secular questions and not so much <laughs> like church questions. All right, like aren't you scared of getting STDs? It's like, ah, oh, no, man. I, you know, I use protection. I use blah blah right. blah. He's like, yeah, but you know that 1% chance you're willing to take that chance? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it's only 1%. It's like, right. yeah. And, you know, they're very smart. They're like, well, let's say 1% per- 1% of 7 billion is how many? I'll let you do the math. Like 700,000? Probably about <laughs> 700 million? 700 million. Like, it's... He's like, that's a big number, right? <laughs> oh, well, since you put it that way, like, yeah. That... I mean, that's <laughs> twice the population <laughs> in the United States. It's like, wow, like, oh. Well, that one percent doesn't seem so small anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they were trained. Huh. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so you know they were through God bringing them in my life at that time. Those are the things like oh, I never saw it that way. I never really saw it because they're like we're going to address the sickness, right? So I was like, oh, he's like, okay, we're talking about seven hundred million people. That's a big number, and you can fall into that. The worst that happens, you get gonorrhea. Right. And you're probably not going to ever want to have gonorrhea. Worst thing that can happen to you is that you get AIDS. He's all, was she worth it? Hmm. I'm like, wow. Shut up, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what's your response? Yeah. Yeah. The response was like, no, she's not worth it. Yeah. That, right. That, and this is where, when we talk about the shame that we have from our past, like these are real things. Like how awful of a person I was to lead them to be like, oh, if you love me, you'll, I don't, you know, like, I think about like how stupid that is and, but how effective it is. Yeah. If you really love me, 
you'll let me keep on sinning. Yeah. And uh, and once once this happens, I'm gonna stick around for a very very short time, and then I'm a ghost to you. Yeah. To take to take that trust that they had and just literally rip it out, put it on the ground, and stomp on it. Like that stuff. Like man, I'm re- I'm full. I'm shameful of that. You know what I mean? And uh, um, sorry. No. But uh, thinking about those things, right? That I that I did that, and, and it, I'm shameful of it because then it was like, well, what if I would have given them an STD because I've been with so many women? What if they would have contracted HIV or AIDS, even though I was being air quotes right. safe? Yeah. Right. There's always that one percent, that one percent chance, right? And <clears throat> typically, when we get in trouble, it's always that I didn't think I was. It was such a small thing. I didn't yeah. think that. I was like. Oh, so you, the, you ended odds, up being, the odds were in my favor, right? Yeah, and you're right. right. I mean, 99% not. Yeah. And I think about uh, this movie quote, they're like, oh, it works uh, 100% of the time, 50% of the time. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, guess what? At that time, it was 100% odds that you were going to get it. Yeah. Right. And no one's ever talked to me in that way to be like, are you really seeing what you're doing? Do you see the effects it can have? And I think that's why when we when we speak in class to be like, oh, don't do it because it's bad and it's against the Bible. It, it, yeah, I I know that and I'm still doing it and right. it's not going to be effective. Where this class was like, you need to come with real answers to make me see things. And that's what this group did. You know the group here, and then uh, the people, uh, the the LDS people that was around, and even some really strong uh, in faith Catholics. You know, came up to me and we're we're talking about that stuff. So it's the part of realizing, like, man, I, I am creating so much damage, not only to other people, but also to myself. And the part is that I love myself more than I loved anybody. Yeah. Hmm. And at that moment when they made me realize it. I hated myself more than I hated anybody in my whole entire life. So <clears throat> when this was happening, then uh, I ran into Edith in college and I knew she was my sister's friend. By God's grace, he was like, you need to be interested in that girl. I went out of my way <laughs> to go be like, oh, hey, you come to class on this side of the campus? I was like, oh yeah, I have a math class over here. Math was like on the other side of the <laughs> campus, but I knew where she was at, right. you know what I mean? And I just started talking to her and just the way she spoke and the way she carried herself was so different compared to any other girl that I've ever encountered in my whole entire life. <clears throat> and, uh, and I was afraid of my sister. This is my baby sister. But I taught my sister how to fight. And she was very, very strong. <laughs> so I knew if I, if I was going to make a move on this girl, I need to be afraid of, the, of my sister. <laughs> So I went to my sister and I was like, hey, you know, I want I want to date your friend. And she's like, nope, can't do it. And I know you too well. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I was like, just set up the date. I promise I won't I won't hurt her. And if I and if I do, you you can hit me in the nads twice. <laughs> and she's like, don't she like she's like, don't be playing. I was like, no, I'm I'm being serious. And so my sister knew that I knew that she right that you were scared that I was scared of her. Yeah. She's like, all right. She's like, but I'm just giving you warning now. It's like, legit. And it's through those interactions that that I was like, okay, I'm going to wait. And uh, just talking to Edith and, and understanding 
like she was different made me want to be different and so i was like all right cool i i really want to be with this this girl like literally that within two weeks of dating her i was like i want to marry her so the part of my my sinful nature of wanting to get into her pants it's not that it went away right it was there but it was the part of like every girl that i've been with where are they they're gone and i understand why because i wouldn't want anything to do with me either right right all that trust everything i ever did like you know what i mean it, it's something that i i i know god's forgiven me and through his grace i've been able to reach out to some of them and ask forgiveness from them to be like i'm sorry i i did this to you right Praise yeah and there i mean there's one that she won't respond back at all which under understandable yeah. you know what i mean but i wanted to make right with her and just say hey if your heart ever changes please call me let me know but knowing that that's what I, the what i left behind i didn't want to do that to edith yeah and i was like i'm willing to wait i'm willing to wait and don't get me wrong that's why i think it's important that if you are dating somebody that you have a lot of self-control because it can very easy, right? Like, yeah. I mean, in a yeah. flash go from, oh, we were holding hands to, wow, yeah. we're disrobed. Yeah. Right? That we didn't get past a certain place, but it'd be like, oh, I don't want to do that because I know myself. And if I'm going to honor this this person that I'm going to call my wife, I'm not going to do that. Not. But the more I reflected, it wasn't my own strength that I was doing. It was God's, it was the Holy Spirit already working in me. Yeah. You know, and even at that point, it took the Holy Spirit 17 years to be like, your transformation is now huh. as far as coming back to the right. light side. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, to being on his side. Um, but it is, it, it's just one of those things that it's not by myself. There's no way I can do it by myself only through God, because realizing, like he said, when he was being crucified, all he thought about was us and our salvation despite who we were and how we give up on him he never gave up on us <clears throat> was that hey. short enough hey <laughs> it was good man thank you um well i feel like we could we can come up with some other questions but did anything else come up in class that you think we need to touch on before we close um so <clears throat> You, you touched on the pre premarital. Oh, I think the biggest thing we have to remember, despite what, hey, can you help me with fill in the blank? It's always remember our sins are a people issue. You know what I mean? And we can never forget that the person uh, who's asking you for help is just that a person. Yeah. And that they felt safe enough to come up to you for help. Whether they listen or not, I don't think should be your the thing you, you die on the hill on. The part we're going to die of the hill on is like, I'm going to give them the gospel, giving people the gospel and making them to, to understand that God sees you. God loves you. God knows what you've done and God still wants you. I think is the best thing that could ever happen because that's not the message that a lot of people receive. Yeah. And especially on the LBGTQ section, right? Um, even for those having premarital sex, those who get pregnant before they get married, those aren't the messages they get. No, they get. God hates you. Yeah. How could you ever do that? No, yeah. Look how disappointed we all are of you for what you did. Yeah. And like we talked about in class on Wednesday night, 
Like that is driving people. That's the church driving people away from God into despair, into more sin by saying, you are a reprehensible human being. How dare you do that? When, as we said before, it is no different. Whether it's alcohol, whether it's porn, whether it's stealing, whether it's jealousy, whether it's anger, whether it's gender identity, it is all sin. It is all reprehensible in front of a holy God. But God saw us in the middle of our sin. He saw thousands of years of his people sinning, and he still came to earth, and he still lived a perfect life. He still showed us how to love. He loved you so much that he died so that you could be free from sin. And he rose again to prove it. And the better we are at explaining that in terms that people can understand, the better we're going to be in answering their questions, the better we're going to be in showing them the truth of the gospel. So thank you for bringing that up because that is important because it's, it's all sin. It's all addiction. The answer is the same. It's Jesus. I said in class today, another thing that C.S. Lewis said is too many people are stuck in this pattern of trying to prove the Bible's true rather than living the spirit of Jesus. Where I can be confident because I know the Bible's true and I can give you all the reasons for apologetics. We're going to talk about that this summer. But that's not why we believe. That's not why we love people. When we understand the spirit of God through his word, we can follow Jesus. We can follow his example. We can meet people where they are. We can show them that they're valued. And we can show them that there's a better way. And that way is Jesus. So I have a question for you. Um, It wasn't posed today, but in interactions that I've had with people that we shared this podcast with, they've asked this question and it's been asked enough. And I think maybe when we've discussed it, because we're so worried about the time that we didn't address it. And I know we're going to redo this one, but I do want to touch on it in case that uh, someone is struggling with this. I'm sick, I'm dying, I'm receiving the life-saving medication, but I'm not worthy to have this. And I need to reject it because I'm not worthy. And I think that's a huge struggle with a lot of people. How how do we accept his grace and mercy? Hmm. So thank you for the couple minutes <laughs> um, to, to think about that. And, you know, reflecting on the question, um, I mean, you know this, you probably know what I'm going to say is I spent most of my life in that spot and nobody tried to counter that message. In fact, what people said made me believe it more um, in church. <laughs> um, what made the difference is Stacy responding like Jesus. Her answer was the same thing that he gave the woman who was caught in adultery is, yep, what are you going to do about it? Yep, all those things are true. You may have done all those things. I don't think you're evil for for having done all those things. Yes, they were sinful. Yes, but I don't need to tell tell you that because you already believe it's true. What she wanted me to believe and what God expected me to believe is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
I mean, talked about it a few weeks ago. <laughs> Romans 7.24, O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? When I was stuck in that spot, I stopped reading at the end of verse 24. When we're stuck in that place, that's all we hear is, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this mess? Close the book. How we can help people escape that trap is show them verse 25. Show them that we can be thankful to God through Jesus Christ our Lord that he's set me free. He set you free. He didn't set us free so we can preach. He set us free so that we can going back to that MASH hospital so that we can be that medic who knows what pain looks like who and is equipped enough to bandage that wound and walk with you back out of that minefield. And when the church, when I'm good at doing that, when I'm practiced at doing that, I have a whole lot more chance of leading people out of their sin and back to Jesus, when I show them that there is freedom, that there is salvation, when I'm shameless, I say, look how wretched I am. Look at all this nasty stuff. And I'm not glorifying that. I'm saying, this is how bad I was. This is how great our God is. And we're willing to glorify him and recognize the sin in us. I think that's the best way that we can show each other, and then we can show a lost world how awesome their God is by recognizing our sin and that we're not any different, no matter what it looks like. If it's greed, whether it's selfishness, whether it's gossip, whether it's pornography or gender ideology, we understand what sin looks like. We see them in their spot. Say, I was there too. Look what God did in me. So once you got past the part of who can save you you and you realized it, how long did it really take you to realize it? <laughs> About seven years. Because I heard it and I recognized it. And I, in concept, believed it. But I didn't own it for about seven years. I didn't really believe it inside. You know, I thought it, I knew it, but there was still this disconnect. And I, you know, God can do anything and yeah, I'm saved from my sin, but I still felt trapped. And what freed me from that trap? You were talking about Pilgrim's Progress. You know, the man stuck in the unlocked cage. It took really brave <coughs> men who earned my respect. Who said, yep, you're right, that's sinful. This is what helped me see why I was sinning and helped me see what was actually wrong so that I can be healed, showed me how I was wounded and how those wounds contributed to that sin. That's, that was the last element in that, that actually helped me truly believe it was people that earned my respect and said, look, yep, see your sin. Look at these things because I think you're wounded. I think somebody broke you in these ways. And when I could see what broke me and how I was wounded from that and see that there's freedom from those woundedness, that freed me from, from that pattern of sin and really helped me see how God sees me 
and also showed me what God can do in anybody else. Because if God can save me, he could save anybody. Not everybody saves me, save, is saved through that process, but it is a <clears throat> process that I've seen over and over and over again and seen how that has helped fully redeem people because it helped them see I'm not broken. It helped them see that they were broken by something. Makes me think of what Heather said, right? Well, that what she felt like after her dad was like, I always wanted a daddy's girl, that yeah. she felt defective. You're not defective. Yeah. Right? Her dad You're, broke her. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. And uh, you, thank you for sharing that. And the, the reason I pose that question is seven years during that time frame, God was showing you and showing me and showing every other person that has gone through this. Yes, you have cracks. Yes, you have all these things, but I'm going to remake you and I'm going to make you new. And I think that's the most beautiful thing when they start talking about <clears throat> him being the potter, right? Like how that all works, you know, it's like, oh, because have you have you done pottery before? Mm-hmm. Working clay is very unforgiving. It's it wants to do what it wants to do, hmm. and the the person that's working the clay just like, nope, nope, get back into this form, get back into this form, and then when it gets totally off the rail, they take the clay back and re- the mission's always to be what it, that vision is of this is what you're going to be, and you know, and it, it goes back to. God knows us before we're even made. What we're, we're what we're gonna be and who we're gonna be and what we're gonna look like and what He wants us to be. Even in the key words, what He wants us to be, which leaves the room for us to make a choice. Yep. Right. And when we have the feelings like I don't deserve this, you're absolutely right. Yep. You're absolutely right. But He's given it to you anyways. It's unmerited, unconditional love, and because He gives it to us. The choice, it is hard because some of us don't know how to be loved that way. Yeah. But when we're willing to to accept that kind of love, the joy that comes with it, the, right? And I think for you, it was the seven years to finally accept that kind of love in your life because you've never seen it before then. You've had glimpses because of your wife. Yeah. And God, God bless her. Amen. And thank him for, for that, right? And you do every day. And I know how much you love your wife. And I'm so grateful for, for that for you and what she was a what she was able to do which was listen to god to love you despite who you were yeah right and that's what we need to be and when we find ourselves like i just keep committing the sin it's like get past the you and get to him when he's like let me carry the load for you i mean he literally carried the load for us yep. shredded not shredded like we say shredded like oh the dude's ripped <laughs> Like he was literally shredded, like skin open, bones showing, carrying a cross that represents everything that we did. Yep. And yet while he was dying, he did it knowing we were sinners. Yeah. Get o- we need to get over ourselves because we're literally like the man in the cage. We're causing ourselves to be shackled to, to those things. And it's a lot easier said than done. Yep. But when, when we start seeing exactly how much he loves us, how much joy, you know, and we need to have patience, right? It's it's kind of like, oh, I've been sick for 40 years and I expect cureness in one day. 
No, bud. <laughs> it's going to take a little bit. It's going to take a while. But you're you're heading to something so much better than whatever pain we have now, right? And to know joy and suffering of us going through that furnace to being remade new, yeah. it's well worth the transformation. You just have to be patient. And it's okay for you to feel like you're not worthy because we're not. And I think that's okay. As you were saying that, you know, I think I don't deserve it. That's kind of the point. Because <laughs> if I did deserve it, I wouldn't need this free gift of God. So, yep, you you don't deserve it. Neither do I. That none of us does. That's the whole point of this book. Nobody deserves it. God still loves you. What a loving, faithful God we have. Amen. Well, bro, can I pray us out? Yes. Our Father in heaven, almighty God, we thank you for being our God, for being our Father, and for being our Savior. Lord, we literally could not do this without you. And so you came to this earth to free us from our sin, to break the chains, to destroy the traps, to make us new. Help us all to, to know, to believe that no matter where we're trapped, no matter what sin we feel stuck in, that you came to free us from that. Lord, equip your church to see people in their pain, to see people in their sin, and to focus on what you see. To focus on the fact that these people were made in your image, and that you love them enough to die, give us eyes to see that and give us wisdom and love and compassion to love them the way you loved us, that you would be glorified and they would be brought to a full saving knowledge of you. I thank you for my brother Jeff. I thank you for these men and women who are in this class that we're blessed to be able to work with in your kingdom. Lord, strengthen us. Make us more like you every day. Give us opportunities that we can bless others. Strengthen us until we come back together again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes this week's podcast. Just remember, when the world tries to get you to backslide, all you got to say is, Nah, bro.